0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Business Podcast. My name's Charles Mackay. Today, I interviewed Daniel Davis, who is a certified EOS implementer. Now, you're probably wondering, what is a certified EOS implementer? So, in previous episodes, we've talked about the EOS uh, operating system, which is a book called Traction, which is written by a guy out of the US called Gino Whitman. That operating system has been life-changing for thousands of business owners around the world and Daniel is the guy who brought that to Australia and has now got I think up to 15 or 16 implementers um, across the APAC region helping businesses implement the EOS and the traction model throughout their business anyway so Dan started his career within fuel stations and from working in them to then working on them to then owning them and throughout that he went through so many life lessons and business lessons and through that, he um, eventually got into some other consulting businesses, and you know, over time, eventually found the traction model and EOS. And I really wanted to share this with you guys. Um, something that comes up a lot within organisations that we work with is, you know, they might have a really big growth plan in place, but so many of the foundations aren't in place. So, and Dan and I talked through that, and why Dan, you know, is really passionate about helping businesses get, especially business owners, get what they want out of their business. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Dan and myself. Enjoy. Daniel Davis, what an absolute pleasure it is, mate. So tell me, on this fine Thursday morning, where where are you sitting and situated?
1: Uh, so we're in our offices at uh, Piemont, so just uh, overlooking Darling Harbour here in Sydney, which is a great place to be. So albeit a quiet place of recent times. The city's been, been empty. It's been mine. So people are starting to return to work, which is nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have you been, um, what's your daily commute to the office like? Is it on your little scooter or have you been walking?
1: Yeah, no, it's still been on the Vespa. Uh, if, I, if I get lucky, it takes me about four minutes uh, coming across from Woolloomooloo. If I do catch a red light or two, it can blow out. Uh, so <laughs> sometimes it gets to uh, that seven or eight minute mark. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes frustrates me, but uh, yeah, pretty lucky.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. So Dan, um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on today and, you know, dig into a little bit of where you got started with business and what you're up to today. So um, for everyone on this, you know, on the podcast, tell us, let's rewind a bit and tell us where you got started into business. You've been on a pretty amazing journey to what you're doing today, but where did it all kick off and tell us some of those um, key milestones along the way.
1: Sure. Uh, I think... It actually probably kicked off back getting my first job as most people can kind of recall. Um, It's pretty exciting. I didn't like school much, so never felt like it kind of fit in there. And then I was really fortunate. At the age of 10, I got my first job working at a timber yard out in Western Sydney uh, at Regent's Park. uh, ABC Timbers, it was called back then. Uh, And it was just awesome. Getting to uh, mingle with people actually felt like what I was doing was purposeful. Um, and got paid. Um, back then it was in cash, which was pretty cool. You got a yellow envelope every week with your name on it. So uh, I was only $4 an hour back then, and I just thought it was awesome. So yeah, um, since then, uh, just never, ever not had a job. By the time I was 13, I had three jobs outside of school, loved it. Um, after I left school, I took a job in retail, just working in a service station. I uh, mm-hmm. wanted to kind of get around my social awkwardness, that I had developed at school, so working in a retail environment helped me become a little bit more accustomed to talking with people. And I enjoyed the busy nature of uh, being in a service station. Lots to do, lots of clients to serve. Um, mm. And started to manage a store, then a couple of stores. And uh, at the age of 21, I got my first opportunity to get my own store
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: up in Blackheath in the Blue Mountains. Pretty cold part of the world <laughs> during winter anyway. and. Um, Lived at the store, uh, like literally. So I'd okay. open the store at five in the morning, worked through till um, 10, 11 o'clock at night when we closed okay. and uh, then slept in the store room. So, uh, and, and I'd do that every day, seven days a week for nearly three years. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And by that point, we'd built that little store up to being uh, one of the best stores in Australia. It was the highest sales per square meter store in the country. Um, wow. In saying that, you know, just like every other business owner, though, I think I worked out every possible thing to screw up in those three years. So, yeah. you know, learning as I go. And uh, the, then, then I managed to have a bit of cash flow and started to buy uh, my own sites and build them and then operate them. So still staying in the retail environment. Mm. Uh, enjoyed that for about a period of seven years. Then, then sold out of that, moved back to Sydney, and I've been involved in a number of different businesses over the years. Uh, Mm. everything from manufacturing to telco um, and then kind of fell into this space uh, for the last decade kind of through my passion for wanting to learn how how the heck do you run a business and uh, having not been to uni myself I just found that a lot of entrepreneurs were the same as me struggled Mm. with knowing the Mm. ones of business so that ended up with me in this space and uh, loved it ever since
0: it's um it's fascinating that you know nearly the school of hard knocks and you know i can relate a lot to that too where you've just got so much passion and energy and you just want to do stuff you just struggle sitting in a room um and i can i can totally relate to that so before you got into exactly what you're doing now what was the you know and after you got out of the service station the retail side of things like what was the big thing that you were trying to solve at that point in your life and also potentially business that um was a big factor to then lead into where you're at now we'll get into that sort of that crossroad then
1: sure um i think the turning point was i had invested into a friend's company i uh, had no intention of actually working in it hmm. uh, i didn't do due diligence it was the first thing i first business i'd ever actually not started myself um so I wasn't experienced. I didn't know how to do any due diligence. There was really, the whole decision was based off trust and, and somewhat emotion, you could say. It's nice to be in business with friends, um, or so it seems at the time. And uh, unfortunately, that business had a lot of problems. Um, shortly after I invested, um, he ended up declaring bankruptcy and uh, because of unpaid debt to the ATO. And, mm. and, uh, And so I ended up with a business that I didn't know much about, nor had any intention initially to be involved with it. And so I thought, you know, if I applied the same principles that I had previously, work really hard and try and learn, it'll make sense. But I just couldn't crack it. And um, as I progressed, I just realized there's a bunch of things that I don't know about business. Um, Retail is very much, if you're a person who cares about your customer Mm -hmm. and prepared to work hard, you'll typically make it work. Um, and in this business, there were a lot more, a lot more levers uh, involved in the business, and I just wasn't able to learn. So I seeked uh, help from coaches, consultants. Um, I was quite frustrated that I wasn't, wasn't quite getting what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, until I met one person, she, she was fantastic and um, loved it so much that I applied what I learned to other businesses, ended up buying out her business, uh, yeah. and just found my passion. I really love working with business owners helping them to learn those basics that nobody taught me.
0: Makes makes sense.
1: And then what was that,
0: obviously you got that business to a point and I'm sure there were some methodologies that were in that. Um, and I suppose leading into the traction side of things. So um, people that have listened to this podcast, I think nearly everyone on it that I've had has talked about EOS or traction in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they have self-implemented or, you know, used a consultant or whatever it may be. Um, but what got you, like, how did you find it? And what was the trigger that you went, you know, I need to be involved with this? And what was, and what was that problem looking like at that point?
1: Yeah, so pretty funny story uh, on how I found it. I got invited to go to Necker Island, uh, Sir Richard Branson's uh, home. Um, With a trip of, you know, I think there was about 15 of us from Australia. Mm. and uh, We're all pretty pumped. It was a pretty exciting trip. And uh, when we landed actually in LA, the first leg of the the flights, we've got to catch like five planes to get there. But um, uh, when we first landed, I remember coming off the plane and, you know, being super pumped. And I looked up the TV screen that said Virgin Galactic flight uh, crashes in the Mojave Desert. (laughs) And I thought, oh, shit double shit, right? Poor guys. are okay, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, Richard's clearly not gonna be there. So, we got to Necker Island, he of course was, had just departed, um, and the people organizing the event said to me, hey, look, you know, you do a bit of consulting and speaking, do you think you could run a couple of sessions uh, in his absence, because he won't be here anything with you guys over the next few days? And I was like, yeah. thanks, but no, I'm not that guy. <laughs> Uh, and she goes please you we're really in a spot um and i said sure so anyway i did a couple couple of talks and uh turns out that one of the people there um actually happened to be an eos implementer and right. she came up to me afterwards and said hey you know you've got a twin brother in uh detroit uh his name's <laughs> you know whitman he even looks like you're um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so bald well, 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 like me so um so anyway, I ended up reading Traction and she was right, uh, it was you know, just connected with me. It was mm. like reading a book I'd written myself. He just nailed it in the simplicity of the way he put yeah. all the pieces together and
0: fundamentally
1: was in line with everything that we'd always been teaching our clients, but he does mm. want to put it into a really simple methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, that that worked, it was just faster. It was like looking at a product, inventing a product, and then looking and thinking somebody else has invented a faster, Mm. quicker, easier one, simpler Mm. one. And I, Mm. you know, I don't have the ego where I care if my name's on the book. I just looked at it and thought, This shit's great. And so Uh, I reached out, connected with Gino, and flew to the US and met up with him and uh, said, I want to bring your brand to Australia. And uh, he said, "Oh, that's awesome. Let's do it." <laughs> yeah,
0: I love it. It's um, I think too, a lot of you know technicians these days are ending up being business owners, and they learn their craft or their skill, and then they just don't do anything around the business side of it. And that could be a doctor, or like literally any technician these days. Um, and I think that book, like I can put my hand up and say it absolutely resonated with me too. I was just like having the uh aha 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 moments the whole way through it going yep yep did that yep did that um and just to simplify it into layman's terms like you know in reality is you look at the numbers globally like how many small businesses are there versus massive enterprises um there's no book for it and i think the other thing that resonated with me too you know you're a pretty humble chilled out guy and you just don't necessarily love the rah-rah stuff
1: <laughs> um, yeah. and
0: not, not do I. it's okay to go to the odd thing but so much of it out there is just fluff and the stuff i loved about traction it was real meat real meat and potatoes pretty simple stuff just get into it and start executing yeah um, so cool so you got traction you got it out to australia and um you know you've been doing that for a few years now so what what are you seeing now, even in the current environment or before, I suppose, COVID hit, but what are the challenges changing with businesses or is a business is getting more sophisticated and they're actually getting a bit smarter or like, what, where is it at now? And what sort of challenges are you seeing and where you're trying to help people or business owners in the mm. current sort of, you know, the last couple of years you've been going?
1: Yeah, look, it's really, it's an interesting question. Um, and it, I can kind of tie it back to what you were just sharing around the one of the fundamental challenges in business is that you can get people who are absolutely genius at what they do, right? Industry experts, absolutely brilliant technicians, and then they go and try and run a business and they, they fail. They really mm-hmm. struggle. And mm-hmm. the unfortunate part is they, they often do so in silence. There's something... That comes there's a stigma that comes with being a business owner and that is you're expected to know it all you're expected to have the answers people look to you for the answers and it's uh, you might be able to answer the specific thing around your expertise but when it comes to running a business it's not so easy and um, Mm. it's interesting because even just this week so in terms of are things changing Yes, things are changing. You know, there's a massive shift to online. There's a massive shift to people questioning: Do we need to go to the office every day? I mean, you and I have been banging that drum for years, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm really stoked about this whole COVID thing. And people are washing their hands too, which is also fantastic. <laughs> uh, you
0: know,
1: having been having my cleanliness freak about me, uh, I, I'm loving it. But. Um, So, yes, people are definitely questioning the way in which we do business, but the the core challenges haven't changed in that Mm. we are still seeing, you know, in the last quarter through this pandemic, I've actually taken on six new clients. Uh, I've been Mm. busier than ever. And um, without sharing one of their their businesses' names, uh, you know, just this week I started with a company that they are serious geniuses. I mean, they supply... Mm big companies, you know, uh, defense force airlines, NASA, I'm talking super smart team and they're in here talking to me about how do I run the business? How do I scale it? How do we take our genius our knowledge and create a business of, Mm. you know, how do we make sure that we're, we're managing our people, right? That we're looking after our customers, right? How do we bring consistency and scalability into the business? And it all still comes back to the fundamentals that we share uh, with mm-hmm. the Book and what EOS principles are all about, which are the same principles that have been around for 100 years and mm. they're going to continue to be around for the next 100 years. It's just the ways in which we do things are going to, going to vary.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, um, I was at an event, uh, so like a social event, where someone was presenting, I think the co-founder or the founder of Iconic was talking and they went on a really interesting journey of hiring the best talent in their individual field Mm -hmm. Um, and they would give that talent that really challenging task and it would be a half-baked solution coming back and they had this you know epiphany that how about we put a group of maybe less talent but similar like-minded people with all sorts of culture backgrounds and all sorts of back, you know, different ways of thinking into a room and challenge that product or that challenge that problem, mm. and the solution off the back of it was like 10x better than what the one genius could do. So, yeah. I I think that's another thing that's you know fascinating. Um, you know, I've talked quite a lot about you know business values and having an organization it doesn't mean they have to look the same. It doesn't mean they have to. Be into the same thing, (laughs) like values are deeply ingrained, and I think organisations that have had the one type of personality through that through it, especially in these times, have been really challenged um, because there's just no different way of thinking. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's getting the core right. You know, if we get if we get the got to get the fundamentals right, you can be technically genius, but there's it's about getting the team aligned around a common vision, getting agreement around where we're taking this thing to make sure that we're all rowing in the same direction, making sure that we've got our culture defined and it's real yeah. uh, so that we fill the business with the right people, right seats, you know, that we can, we can see what's working, what's not working. It's basically going through that, the, the EOS model, the six key areas that we focus on. And as uh, I was sharing with, with this team this week, uh, they, they, they all came out of it, you know, it's highly educated people and they said, geez, this stuff is so simple, <laughs> so effective, and we just, we didn't really have it there. And the, the key takeaway was through having these fundamentals, the business fundamentals in place, it's actually going to allow them to stop having the unnecessary distractions so that they can mm. actually focus more of their time on the genius work, mm. uh, you know, recreating their industry um, you know, and bring in all these tech advances because they won't have to be worried about these other things that are going on. If you've got the systems in place, the structure right, and we are managing and coordinating everyone's human energy, uh, mm. then you're going to get great results. And so mm. that's what it's there to do. It's EOS is fundamentally designed to simplify uh, and structure the management of your business. It's there to make it easy. And that's, that's why it works. That's why it's something. Mm.
0: And it's, it is fascinating. The obviously EOS have a you know, surprise, surprise, an ideal client and a sort of a market fit, but um, it's been interesting talking to people that are outside of that market fit or that ideal client that have self-implemented and it has absolutely worked. Um, yeah. You know, you don't necessarily need to implement all the 20 tools, but those core tools can make just such a big difference. Um, and you know, I think you touched on a really interesting point of rowing in the same direction. Um, you know, I talked about that with someone this week. is like, if we're rowing in the Olympics and we've got a team of eight and there's one person not rowing in that direction, we're stuffed. Like, you've got to be, you've got to be all on song. And you know, you look at elite sport; they're all very similar. Um, I can bet you if you went and implemented EOS into a you know an NRL or an AFL footy team, you would probably end up winning the grand final in three years. It won't happen in one, yeah. um, but it will probably happen. Um, so yeah, it's 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 fascinating. So on your journey with EOS, like how have you you evolved and what have you got the most out of um, when you start looking back at your own journey from you know starting EOS to where you're at today to where you know you, you see the vision of eos and you know what, what where it's going
1: sure uh that's a good question i think that there's a few things a few fundamental things that i've learned you know just aside from the tools and how practical and effective that they are and i obviously use it in my own business and eos worldwide we use it in our own business it helps us you know stay focused stay in our lane build you know we've we've had the since i've been involved uh, over the last you know, six years or so, the company's grown from 70 people to, we're around, the, I think 400 mark now. Wow. Um, I think our culture is stronger than ever. They've just done an amazing job. Uh, they really get the power of right people, right seat. We have an amazing uh, leadership team. Hmm. Mike Payton uh, as our visionary, he's only just recently stepped aside from that, but uh, has done a, an amazing job. Um, Kelly Knight is the integrator. She's just been the biggest gift to our business, um, mm. and supported by a great team. Uh, so um, those things aside, that's that's about building a great team and keeping those, those values and core focus uh, real right the way through. Those things aside, I think the personal takeaways that I've had from it is the power of simplicity, really mm. understanding and respecting that. Um, the power of, on a personal level, one of the things that I've learned is Gino, uh, Gino Wickman saying, you know, the, the, the power of saying no. Hmm. One of the challenges that entrepreneurs have, particularly visionaries, is we tend to like make, we, we enjoy making people happy. Hmm. And sometimes we are our worst, we're our own worst enemy. We say yes to everything. And what it ends up resulting in it is that we, we just bogged down, we we're busy all the time. And we often can't deliver in the way that we'd want to because we just Mm. take on too many things. And Mm. so, you know, he says, you know, we've all heard the saying, but this guy actually applies it, you know. Mm. If it's not a hell yes to something, then it's a no. Mm. And we've all heard it before, but do we actually apply that? If you got the guts, because it takes balls to actually apply it, right? It's hard to say no to somebody. It really is particularly For, for someone like me I, I mean it makes me sick yeah right? <laughs> I'm always like sure yeah yeah I'll do that for you uh, but when you really take that on and and apply it it means that when you do say yes to something you can do a genuinely good job and you feel proud of the work that you do uh, and it also means that you can block out time for yourself mm. now, that was one of the Hardest things I ever had was managing businesses and then having time for myself. And over the last five years, I've managed to, you know, increase it from two weeks to four weeks to now eight weeks. I think I'm approaching nine or ten weeks off this year. Awesome. And that's liberating. Um, mm. So that's come off using EOS and also those, you know, principles of simplicity and the ability to say no. Mm. Um, and the, the final one would be that point that you mentioned earlier is you touched on was choosing your clients now that takes real guts uh, about two years ago I, I took it on I think I shared it with you actually when we were catching mm. up you know when you're back in Melbourne just the ability to say if you if you meet a client and you they're not they're not a core values fit just run mm. man run yeah you know run away because it's going to be really hard work uh, and yeah. it makes your job miserable and so I've been applying that a lot the last couple of years and it just turns your life on its head if you can say only just say yes to the people you want to work with and say no to the others it's fantastic mm. I
0: think that, that is a massive a massive lesson and you know sometimes too it takes a little bit of time to see if there is a value alignment because you know up front there could be rosy and it looks great but sure um I think for, for us I can pretty much put my hand up and say where we've had challenges there's been a value disconnect um Mm-hmm. And it can often be too that the values are on the wall of that business, or they talk about they have them there, but they don't actually live them. They may talk about them, but don't actually live them. Um, and you know, every business is going to have challenges. There and, and relationships have challenges, but that's when you break through generally. Um, mm. And if you got the blame card out, oh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty hard to have a, a good working relationship. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's yeah, that's really insightful.
1: Yeah. And I think what you said is right uh, around, sometimes you've got to give it a little bit of time. Um, You know, not every client that you meet is just gonna you know, sweep you off your feet, so to speak. Some people are really conservative. The real geniuses, actually, Mm. using the ones that I've been working with this week, they're just really smart guys and uh, sometimes they're not necessarily really, you know, bubbly and friendly. They're actually quite conservative, but Mm. that doesn't mean that there's not a values alignment. It just means the way in which we approach lives, you know, some people are introverts, some are extroverts. And I think what you need to do is agree that in your process, you're going to give it a specified amount of time. I typically know within a day, within that mm. first full day session, yeah. at the end of it, I know I'm going to be able to make a decision. Hey, I want to work with you and I want to help you or not. And the way that I approach it is if I get to the end of the session and I'm not feeling it, I'm just going to say, guys, Thank you for today, I appreciate your efforts. Today's complimentary. I'm not gonna send an invoice after today. Um, I just don't see a fit. I think that you should probably talk with another implementer, somebody who would be a fit. It's, uh, you know, it's nothing personal, it's just it's not gonna be the way that it's gonna work. So I think when you've got that in your mind, there's a, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, because I know that when I step into the room, I wanna be just fully absorbed. I wanna just give them everything I've got uh, and you can only do that in my opinion, you can only do that if you genuinely care for them if you don't yeah. care for them i just i can't do the work that I do that way and I think no. that applies for just about every business out there
0: yeah and
1: and taking
0: it even to the you know marketing level, the sales level, the individual level, like even accounts payable or accounts receivable if you know people are not nice to you and treat you badly let you need to escalate that to up the chain and be like there's a, there's a problem here um you know everyone's especially at the minute high strung or got some issues and um at the end of the day people are people treat them like people and that's yeah. been the most fascinating thing i've found in this period you know people that maybe had their business that have struggled or um you know had to use JobKeeper or leverage JobKeeper and put everyone on leave but the the businesses that said you know what that's the case, but I'm still going to ring everyone I know. I'm going to speak to my customers better than ever. Um, they're the ones that are going to come out and thrive off the back of this, not the ones that have gone, oh, we've got a six-week holiday. Let's just get into it. Right. Um, so yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So one of the themes of our podcast, Dan, which I think you guys absolutely do, is you know we're in a world of that's um, been paused a little bit, um, but there is so much consumption. There's so much you know, over usage of things. And one of my things is, you know, trying to remove wastage from businesses and trying to remove wastage from sales and marketing and technologies sort of side of things. But what's, what, what do you find that EOS has done to make the world a better place to probably less stress maybe business owners, but what's something that you can resonate with that you are doing as, a, as an organization?
1: Sure. Um, so I think at the, the fundamentals of the way in which we operate uh, when we're working with clients, for example, we always believe in maximizing time. Uh, every minute of a session is occupied with value uh, and if it's not, we change it. So we're obsessed with that. The reason being that we want to see productivity and we want to see goals achieved in our clients' businesses. But secondly, we believe that people should be able to have a life also. Yeah. Right? side of work and if we run businesses effectively put in place really productive systems you can have that and so from the way in which we run our sessions we apply that but um, in terms of how we've shifted of late we've obviously along with everyone else we've moved to a lot of virtual um, so mm-hmm. well, most of our sessions for the last quarter have been uh, done online done via zoom um, or the equivalents uh, we just pivoted and held held our EOS conference uh, a week or two ago. So mm-hmm. I was supposed to be in the US presenting at that. So instead I did it from here uh, in the office.
0: You would have you loved that instead of the
1: two-day uh, travel. <laughs> a week away I would have been uh, over there and instead I was at home uh, with my family. So phenomenal uh, change there. So And that was great. It was a roaring success. Everyone's loved it. We actually had double the amount of, of attendees because we we're able wow line so great success and a really uh, again example of them leading the way in terms of being able to adapt to the market um, the one thing that I would say I've observed from clients and seeing how they've shifted is and again I, said, uh, I can't stop cheering about this because I've been talking about it for a long time this pandemic mm-hmm. has brought about a different change is people just looking and thinking Wow, didn't think we could work from home. Wow, didn't think we could handle any of this. And we have. In Mm -hmm. fact, many businesses have improved. Many staff have reported that they're happier, right? More Um, time, more time for their health because they're not stuck in traffic. Uh, One client has actually led the way, very inspiring. Um, They actually, it's funny, they were thinking about it just prior to COVID. So mm. I was in here saying, why do you have to be at the office from nine to five or eight yeah. 30 to 5? Like, I just think it's silly and they were laughing and saying, Dan, that's the world. And I said, but I think it's a stupid world. Yeah. That's why I live around the corner from my office, so I don't have to yeah. be in traffic. And anyway, they, uh, they, they they left the meeting saying, well, we'll, we'll look at that, how, you know, the leadership team was talking about how many of them travel an hour to and from work each day. Mm. and. Uh, so with the, the COVID uh, response, they ended up shifting their hours for a quarter to see what would happen. So they operate now from 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Staff satisfaction levels have gone through the roof. They're driving to work before the traffic. They're getting home and seeing their kids. Yeah, They're loving life. And so they said, you know, we're sticking with it. We're happy. Oh and, and I said, how are the customers going with it? And they said, they're loving it also. <laughs> so they said, we've got customers in the car park at 6.30 in the morning, and they're loving it that they can pick up their goods and be gone wow. um, and come outside of, of uh, traffic time. So I think we all need to just look at how we can do things differently. I've shifted now. We're, we're about to shift all of my client sessions also. We're starting at 7.30 in the morning now instead of 8.30 or 9. Makes, so. makes sense. Yep, it makes sense, there's better ways.
0: I I love it, The I remember you were sharing the story of, I think you were spending eight weeks in traffic. Um, yeah. A year. Straight it out, that's right. Two and hours now have, Yeah, now you have eight weeks in holidays. Um, exactly. And I've, I've, my whole career have been allergic to travel commuting. Um, mm-hmm. Just like I grew up on a farm, so I walk out the front gate, I could do work if I wanted to right. you know I was lucky enough to go to boarding school and walk out the front gate I'm at school <laughs> and then when I moved to Melbourne I was like well I'm gonna live in the city or if I'm not I'm gonna live in the middle of nowhere um because yeah. it's just what's the what's the point and like when we've just shifted up here and I was commuting because I'm like I need to meet some people and I was commuting I'm like this sucks and that was only 20 minutes yep. um and I've worked with people that were commuting two hours a day and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like you don't even need, and that I, I'm really happy that that limiting belief of people said you have to be seen to be heard or seen to be doing work. It's like technology exists today for you to work anywhere unless unless you're on the tools and hammering nails and you know, depending on what your industry is. Yeah. Um, but I love that and good on your clients and you guys for sort of setting that example too. Um, because it was actually one thing that I was thinking with the AOS model is like, mm, it's, it's. There's a few things here you don't need to meet face to face. Like, yep. <laughs> I think you can cut a few of those things out, make it a bit easier. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah, we yeah, been successfully doing it. It's working fine. I mean. I think due to the way that we're doing it the once every 90 days, it's nice to be in person because we're only meeting four times a year. There's something about that, but we've definitely seen that it can work if it needs to. Yeah. Uh, my observation of the online meetings is they tend to be a little bit more on point because mm-hmm. people have let, they're a little bit less comfortable to just kind of sit back. So... Mm-hmm. I've, I've found that the online meetings are more pointed. People just get on with it. They're yep. moving faster through it.
0: And you can probably have them a bit more compressed too. Um, yeah. Because yeah, people's attention span to sit on a computer too for eight hours is going to be tough. Um, Correct. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. So moving into the the next point, um, if you were to give a tip, like what, you know, over your learning, it's a really big question, but, um, you know what's what's the one thing if you could compress even traction and EOS into one sort of component as a business owner or a, you know call it a divisional manager or a branch manager someone that is a leadership you know in a leadership position in an organization what what would it be um, that you would take
1: away and share mm, that's a big question Um Look, I think that there's, I'd probably answer it with the sharing the EOS life. So, this is something that we yep. live by as implementers and we strive for for our clients. And I just think it sounds surreal, but you know, I've been working at it for about six years, seven years now, and it's a mm-hmm. deal for me now. And each yep. year I to progress towards it a little bit more. And so, yep. EOS life is firstly doing what you love. So do something that you actually genuinely enjoy every day. Uh, Second point is with people that you love. Uh, So what we were talking about earlier, choose that's who you work with as in your staff members, your team members, right through to the clients that you work with. Uh, Third point is making a significant difference. Uh, Be purposeful with the work that you do. Um, I always talk about even back in the servo days, back in the service stations, man, I used to wash those toilets, clean those toilets better than anyone else. It, it, to me, it made a difference. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody's going to walk in here, it's going to be a nice, fresh, clean bathroom uh, instead of some disgusting thing that others, you know, they often come across. Have pride in what you do. Make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, third, the uh, fourth point is being compensated appropriately. So getting paid well. Um, I believe that when you do the other things, you become great at what you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, make a difference then you'll get paid well Uh, and the final point is with time to pursue other passions so uh, just having time there's no point if all you do all day is work Uh, Mm -hmm. you need to have time for your family that's hence the shift what I'm doing with my clients now starting early I'm just gonna lead by example Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's gonna upset some people saying I've got to get up at four in the morning all right well to see how you feel when you're at home at three or four in the afternoon playing with your kids that kind of stuff you can't buy that back no and it's phenomenal so i just think um that's the tips that i'd give if we can all strive for eos life it's Mm. that'll be a great outcome
0: i I think it is a a really really good tip and i think the other piece of it which is really important is you've been working at that for seven years or six years Mm. um and when I talk to people, they're like, or well, sometimes they'd be like, Oh, but you know, that's great. Because, but if, and it's like, well, hang on, you've got, you've got, you have time. Where mm-hmm. are you focusing your time? And if you just chip away at those little things every week, every day, rather than looking at the monumental thing you're trying to achieve, um, you know, life happiness comes off the back of that. Um, and yep. it makes a massive difference to how you then work and all those other things. So, I think those two components of that, you know, the EOS life and time and don't think you have to do it in six months. Um, that was something I personally was trying to do things just way too quickly and it put so much pressure on myself, which then you feel like you're a failure. Um, and it's like just little things every day, just chip away at it and you'll, yep. you'll get there.
1: Um, well, I think we both apply the uh, shout out for Scott Paper. Barefoot investor, we've both been applying that for years on a personal level and, and in our business. Uh, again, something we've done uh, together on that journey. And you know, it's that that's that's the same theory, right? You read the book and you're like, shit, where do I start? Okay. And he teaches you, it says where to start. And a lot of us just don't have patience. But when you when you do it and you apply it, you know, it works. Yes, it might take a year, it might take two years, right? all the things come together. But uh, here's a funny update for you because you know that I've been doing it for a couple of years. So uh, personal credit cards are gone pretty quick. But then the business ones, uh, you know, the the American Express that we use, uh, you know, you get great points. So you get all these little fish hooks that tie you into it, you know, and you think, oh, maybe I'll just keep it for that. So a couple of updates. So they're all gone now. We cut up the american express cards uh, a couple of weeks back and we went out for date night it was good timing because the rules just got, got lifted so we'll be able to we're able to go out and enjoy our uh somebody else serving wine to us that was good uh and the funniest part was my 16 year old has been um reading barefoot investor for the past couple of weeks and just got wow. his ng cards in uh that you know in the, this past week and and uh, if this is you know, as, an, as a backstory for everybody, two, two or three years ago, we, we introduced the uh, barefoot investor principles, which meant that suddenly 30% of his allowance each week was going to savings. <laughs> so he was walking around <laughs> saying, I hate stock Uh, You know, who is this stupid investor, barefoot yeah. investor? And uh, now, uh, a couple of years later, he's, clearly his bank account's built up and he's reading barefoot investor uh, of his own free will and he's saying, geez, this book's really good and uh talking to me about wanting to start his own share account and he said i'm sure shares would be good to invest in right now right because the market's down i'm like who is this kid so i love it get it yeah
0: that's that's awesome um i can also say that you know i wouldn't have been able to do a lot of things in the last three years if i didn't have that mindset and park things for rainy days um you know i think you said something about the the there's a book. You'll have to quote the book name, but "The Guy Next Door" or where he was a yes. mechanic. What's it called?
1: It's called "The Millionaire Next Door." It's a, an American book that was written, I believe, back in the '60s or '70s. But everybody should grab it. "The Millionaire Next Door," old school book, but man, it, it, the message hits home. You look at it and think, "Shit, I might be that guy next door that's spending too much." So, changes yeah. his mindset. But that was a yeah. gift from Gino who gave gave me actually. Yeah,
0: right. That's fascinating. I'll definitely be putting that one in the show notes. So we've got to start bringing this to ground, Dan, but I'd like you to share a, um, a success story of, you know, something since you've been on this EOS journey that you'd love to, you know, highlight and, you know, you can shout them out or you can say it um, discreetly, I don't mind, but um, something that you can boast about some of the, one of the biggest success stories you've had with one of your clients or internally.
1: Sure, um, I think that I'll, I'll just keep it simple. Last night I caught up with uh, my best mate. We just uh, caught up, he's an architect, client of mine. Uh, well, he's, he's, done, he's gone through EOS and implemented it many years ago. And uh, we just, it was our first time we were allowed back at the pub after work. So we're just having a couple of drinks and, and uh, uh, some food and just having a chat. And I said, so like, how's it all been going? You know, he's got a, a small business, 15, 16 staff, great at what they do. And, uh, he said, look, I'm just stoked. He said, you know, when it all went down, the whole COVID thing, um, I, you know, got back on the tours, I got straight back in there. I was working, uh, normal hours again. And he joked cause he said, you know, he normally does five or six hours a week. Uh, the business runs itself. Great team, mm. great culture. Mm. And he said, I just, you know, I jumped back in cause I wanted to make sure everything was okay. And he said, um. Uh, he said, as an update, I went to work this morning, got there at eight and at 9.30, I realized there was nothing for me to do. So I left and I went home and I waited until the end of the day so I could catch up with you. Uh, so, <laughs> and he just said, it's a testament to having great business management systems. He said, all the work that we've done over the years has allowed that to occur. He mm-hmm. said, I don't need JobKeeper. I don't need any of these things. We're in a great mm-hmm. spot. And, um, and so that's probably the best success story in that, you know, it's, you know, it's like family for me seeing, you know, all my mm. mom's like that, but he's my best friend and we're just awesome. chatting. So that was great. Yeah. So nice to see that. Karen.
0: I love it. Love it. So Dan, it's been an absolute honor to have you on. Um, how do people connect with you or um, get involved with the EOS especially in Australia? How's that happen?
1: Sure. So you can reach out and connect with me via LinkedIn, uh, Daniel Davis. You'll see me there EOS Implementer or you can go to eosworldwide.com it's got uh there's there's an implementer uh, area where you can check out all the implementers from around the world and locally here in australia and new zealand or wherever you might be uh, listening from uh, the the implementers here in australia service all of the asia pacific area and middle east so wherever you're listening from there's always somebody there to help Uh, and i'm on there too so you can reach out if you ever got an eos question i'm here to help happy to answer anything you got
0: love it love it thanks Dan I really appreciate it close the truck